0: Salutations.
1: Hello, Jeff.
0: Hello, how are you louder?
1: I'm doing all right. I was staring out the window at all of the beautiful beautiful, uh, greenery.
0: It is beautiful out there. it's nice. So serene.
1: We're in a great space.
0: We are in a great (laughs) space. Hello, everyone who's listening from lands far away and right here in New York City.
1: All of our great listeners.
0: Yeah, we're thrilled to be back with you again.
1: To be back with Queen's Best, the podcast, the Chamber of Commerce's podcast that uh, allows a platform for our local restaurateurs and food businesses to tell us their unique stories, tell our listeners their unique stories. Yeah.
0: And you guys are like, I mean, it's a gift to be able to hear all that these great restaurants. There's more to just serving food and getting customers in and out the door, and we hear the stories.
1: Well, there's just such an international spotlight on the Borough of Queens around food and culture, so it's incredible to hear why people started, how they started, and really delve into what's behind the scenes. Exactly.
0: And there's passion behind that. Yeah. Tremendous passion. You know that because you're a chef.
1: Well, yes. Tired chef. (laughs)
2: I don't, I don't chef too much anymore. Chefing.
1: I know. But this is So you get a podcast when you age out of chefing. This is what I'm learning. <laughs> Sitting down is nice. <laughs> Sometimes chef. I sit down to eat now. It's incredible. It's,
0: wow. <laughs> yeah, the chill time. It's wonderful. <laughs> so tune in to all those previous episodes everywhere you get podcasts to hear those great conversations. Follow us. Check us out on Instagram. See the wonderful food we've eaten. And visit... Queen's Chamber's website, www.queenschamber.org, for amazing, wonderful business resources.
1: That's right. You can find all kinds of stuff there.
0: Good stuff.
1: <laughs> well, we have a great episode for you today. We are so excited to talk with Yvonne Lemoine, the chef owner of My Kitchen Restaurant, Forest Hills, who's going to share the origins of their cozy neighborhood spot.
0: Yeah, it is a cozy spot.
1: It's beautiful.
0: It's our second, it's like the, we were here before a while back for an event and we were like, we've got to come back and have a conversation with him. That's right. Just so we can get him one-on-one. So last episode, we went a little far. We went to the beach. That's right. And we had a great conversation with chef owner of the Cradle NYC G Day and he treated us to beef... Samosas that were great, and he had this really spicy dipping sauce.
1: Yeah, the sauce was really spicy, but uh, wonderful. It brought tears to my eyes. Ghost pepper? No, it was. Oh, it habanero, was habanero. But, but yeah. saba- what's habanero in in English? Habanero. No, what do they call it? I Caribbeans call them. Oh, the those
0: little things. Habanero. They were hot, <laughs> and it was spicy. <laughs> yeah.
1: It was spicy and
0: it was hot. And we also had beet juice, which was really yeah, tasty.
1: Yeah, their space is incredible. Day, his wife and child, a beautiful, beautiful family. And they're bringing West African, Nigerian food to the beach and opening some other spaces on the beach. So yes. that, that, that's one to listen to.
0: And excited about puff puffs, which I've oh, never yeah. experienced that a puff puff. another.
1: Puff. They're going to have, um, is this a spoiler? They're having puff puffs at the ferry.
0: Yes. <laughs> get to the ferry. Listen to that episode. He's going to tell you exactly where you need to be so you can get your hands on a puff puff. That's right. So tune in and listen to G-Day and that great <laughs> conversation we had out on the beach. Anything trending in your food world, Ms. Lauda?
1: Yeah. We, we've we been doing a lot of Asian food lately because um, my beautiful child is on this coast now from Yay. the other coast. So um, that's a special a special treat. We don't usually do as much um, Korean, Japanese barbecue. So, so many great places like that around Queen's nice. Yeah. How nice. about you?
0: I am back to Jamaican food. Rice and peas. Mm, I mean. Staple. Every day, all day. <laughs> I could do it because it, it's so good. But that's where I've been lately is back with the rice and peas. But after this break and this wonderful music, you will hear the voice of our special guest yvonne at from my kitchen restaurant here in wonderful forest hills we cannot wait Do that again. Chica chica.
1: He was threatening to beatbox for us a minute ago. <laughs> and so he should I have. Know, and I know. L- <laughs> and listeners,
0: <laughs> this is the special guest we bring to Woo-hoo. you. Lauda, I'll let you do the honors.
1: <laughs> well, I'm just going to say hello to Ivan and let him tell us who he is.
2: Absolutely. How are you, Laura? How I'm doing you? well. Lauda. Let's Lauda. say Lauda. Lauda. We do, we do Lauda. say that. I know. Lauda and Jeff, <laughs> thank you for having me. This is a, a pleasure and a delight.
0: It's thrilled to be here. We're yeah. thrilled to be here.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but us, I suppose it's we, my wife and I own my kitchen in Forest Hills. Uh, it was previously owned by, um, this is a, a great story, so I'll, I'll share it with yes. you. Yes. When I was 15, I got my first job in a kitchen. It was a small little restaurant in, uh, in Astoria. And the, the owners at the time uh, were Tony, Tony, Tony's their daughter were Joe and Danny, Joe and Danny Palma, um, They owned a small little restaurant in, in Astoria. It was Greek, uh, an Italian restaurant. And by, the, by chance, my cousin used to work for them and got me to speak with them, and they hired me on the spot. They were like, okay, you know, we'll give this, this little kid a chance. I stayed in touch with them. I left. I went to work in the city. I, I you know, had some great experiences, give or take maybe like four, about four years ago, they were looking to retire. So they were looking to, they had been in the industry for a long time. They've been, you know, are some of the hardest working people that I know as restaurant people tend to be. You know. Definitely. And they wanted to retire. And they said, you should buy our place. It's really lovely. It's profitable. You know, we've been running it for a while. We would, you know, we would work with you. We would handhold you. We would, we would show you the ropes in our space. Obviously you do your thing. But they were very kind, but very they were very persuasive. They said you should buy this place. It's really lovely. As you know, four or five years ago, this is kind of when, when this started. I was in the city. I was, you know, I was, I was very fortunate that I was working with very large restaurants, very high end. Everything was exciting and fun, and it was really great. Um, they continued their persuasion um, until COVID hit. At the time, I had a restaurant in Midtown, and it, it kind of came in hard, you know. It, it, COVID wiped us out in, in so many ways, as it did in many other places. Um, we tried as much as we can, as much as we could, to really tread water. And at one point, we let go of the entire staff, and it was really just my wife and I opening the place and closing the place and doing everything necessary. Um, and it just became very difficult. It, it's we weren't really making money. It's it's very difficult for anybody that has a restaurant, and obviously during COVID to come to the realization that you have to let it go. You know It's very, very hard after you've spent so much time and money and effort, and, and, but we did. We kind of just let it go. And at the time, um, I started speaking with Joe and Danny again and you know, started explaining what was going on, and they said, listen, why don't you just take over this place? And I was like, I just lost my shirt. Yeah. I just lost everything that I had in the city. We invested everything that we had into this restaurant that we really loved. It, the the rug was pulled from underneath us. And it, I don't know if, first of all, I have no money to do anything. And I don't know if I have the spirit yeah. to be able to carry something like this. As, as anybody can explain, there's, you know, a space is a space. But what really makes a space or a restaurant or any anything really is the life that you breathe into it. The soul. Exactly. And it, it's it drains you. It really because you're breathing life into something new and all of a sudden you become secondary and third and this thing that you're breathing life into is like a child that you need to you need to cradle and feed before you even feed yourself. But we we came out to Forest Hills and I grew up in Venezuela, but then I also grew up in Sunnyside for many years. So I was kind of familiar with Forest Hills, but not really. And to a kid that grew up thinking that Manhattan is the pinnacle of being a chef yeah. and owning restaurants. And it has, you know, as Sinatra would say, if you can make it there, you'll make it anywhere. Right. Coming back to Queens was, was a, was a little difficult and confusing, but we came to to Forest Hills and I met with Joe and Danny and I love them to this day very, very much. They're, you know, they're, I, I begged them to adopt me when I was a kid. That's kind <laughs> of yeah. the relationship that we had. Um, and I came to the space, and we had come here before, but we, we started slowly falling in love with the space and the neighborhood and the people. And it, what you had mentioned before, that, that Queens really is a, a community in many ways, and in the city, sometimes you lack that. Mm-hmm. There's such a competitive edge and competitive spirit of big companies of lots of money. Every company that we worked with were, were multi million dollar restaurant companies that were plugging a ton of money and resources into their next idea in queens you, you don't see that as much and you see a lot more immigrants you see people that are really they, they're this is what they're what they're doing this is this is their work this is their, their day life right yeah. and you see families coming together really opening a place and you see you know the, the daughter will be a server and the father will be in the kitchen and the mom will handle the books whatever that the the hierarchy and the complexity of that places it's more of like a working class neighborhood even in in regardless of whether it's a lower class um, neighborhood it's a little richer or a little poorer it's really communities that come together and at the end of the day those people are really what make that community because your kids are going to the local schools you're you're you know you need flowers you go across the street to the flower shop whatever you need that money hopefully stays in the community and enriches your community so it's, that's how we, we, we landed in Four Hills, um, and we're a, a little you know, bruised and, and battered, and it's been a blessing, to say the least. I mean, the community has been very kind to us. Um, we, in return, have also, like, everything that we buy is local from, from small places, um, and it really shows you the, the difference between the, the multi-million dollar restaurants that we were working in and the working communities that are restaurants and other businesses in Queens.
1: It's so fascinating, Yvonne, because your journey really mimics um, the shift on the scene right now. The shift in the restaurant scene. I mean, COVID did such a number on all of our all of our businesses. But um, that that whole the difference between Manhattan and Queens is stark. And these large restaurant groups who are you know vying to be number one with tons of money. It's not that. That trend isn't going to continue, I don't yeah. think in my opinion, and I think people are going to be finding these pockets where returning home or being part of a community is the way that we're going to move forward and be able yeah. to make it in, in our business world so your journey kind of kind of mimics that
2: yeah I, I agree completely and it, it's it's very different from what you're kind of trained to do, and you're fed this idea that you know if you want to make it in certain places you have to it's it's almost like a badge of courage you know and you see that a lot in kitchens where you're battered like they push you militantly to the edge and you take it and you take it in stride like we survived you know we went through that and we survived but it's not necessarily true it's just a story that you're fed but you, you as you mentioned like it's very true and you hear of a lot of big name uh i guess chefs and people that that Go to the city, go to Manhattan. Manhattan, in particular, is it's or cities tend to be animals unto themselves. Mm-hmm. But once you step out of that, and you you're able to to, to be exposed, I guess, to a certain caliber of people and certain caliber of food of uh, like world cuisine or whatnot. That could also it doesn't necessarily have to be just in cities, but that's where it tends to, to congregate and that's where it's, it's it's really clustered. Once you step out and you're able to just think. For a minute and you're able to take those those uh, those tastes and experiences that you could also gather if you just travel the world and go to different places but the city is a, it's a big conglomerate of that high-end uh diversity i was just talking to my friend about uh res- ethnic restaurants in manhattan mm-hmm. like i'm sorry maybe maybe i'm a little jaded but i'm not gonna find for the most part there are pockets but Good ethnic restaurants don't really survive in Manhattan for the yeah. for the most part. Yeah. If you want good ethnic ethnic restaurants, you have to step out. You have to step to Queens. You have to come right. to Queens. Come to, Queens. Yeah. Come to the Bronx. <laughs> come my friends in, in Harlem. I and
1: mean, it really um, harkens back to the whole notion of authenticity too.
2: True. It's so difficult, I I, I find, and I, I tell my wife this all the time, it's because now we don't have a multi million dollar kind of package backing anything we do. Yeah. But you start thinking how I don't know how this may help me sound, but I'll say it anyway, how unfair it is sometimes because chefs and restaurateurs and people who are opening places have ideas and you have, you know, you want to be creative and you want to bring something new and interesting. But all this stuff costs money. It just does. And it becomes very difficult for anybody that as an entrepreneur or a chef or somebody that wants to open a restaurant to be able to compete and at this level mm-hmm. without the amount of money necessary to be able to to really pay for a PR team and for a social media team or for for the amount of money that you need to pay architects construction everybody to come together to put this play when at the end of the day your profit margins for food aren't really there
1: and then to have the right names so that you draw media attention yeah. so that you'll yeah. continually get to keep that client base cuz Right now, there's more restaurants than there are people eating. Yeah.
2: Isn't it bananas? That's Wild. a lot of work.
1: And, but you now, you guys, you and your family, I mean, in the city, you're molded into a certain way of being in a kitchen. But here, it seems like you're going to be able to explore and get to be yourselves and really yeah. bring yourselves to this space.
2: So we're, we're a little bit different in many ways. And I didn't, we, how do I explain this? So we basically came to this space, and it was a restaurant, but and it was also a an event space. This space is beautiful, to, and not because it's ours necessarily, and I don't think, you know, for the, for the most part, places tend to pass on. Like we, it was owned by somebody else before us, and before them, it was owned by somebody else, and we just met uh, a lovely lady that came with her son, who said that she actually grew up here, mm. and we were like, what? Yes, yeah, like. Apparently, there was a garden in the back, and there were peach trees and Aww. honeysuckle. Oh, wow. and she used to live right upstairs and scream down to her grandmother that was a gardener and would always be here. So the, the story will continue past us, right. But we were very fortunate to find this space and the way that it, it, it was. And even though we, we kind of suffered the, you know, the the slings and arrows of, of our outrageous fortune that was COVID, Once we came out of it and we came here, we decided not to open as a restaurant just yet. We said, let's just do events. With events, you kind of know everything that's coming in. You know how many people. You know what's going to happen. I know how much money I have for food. I know for for alcohol. I know what's going to happen. And Regardless of what, if, you know, Laura, you're coming in and you're renewing your vows, it could rain or storm or anything. Nothing is going to stop you from bringing your family together to renew your love people will show up, guaranteed events. Yeah. It's very different than if you have a restaurant and all of a sudden there's a storm and nobody comes. Right. So as much as you can mitigate those, those losses, you still have food that spoils. You still have people that you have to pay. So it, it, it's a little bit of a different uh, business model.
1: Your PL is going to look a little different. It's very, very <laughs> different.
2: So we, we were fortunate that we were able to figure that out. And you know, we said if we have no events, we don't have to pay anyone because everybody's kind of part-time. Know, we still have your, your cost of rent, cost of certain things. But worst case scenario, if we do smaller events, and my wife can serve, I can cook. As long as we could do that, which we did during COVID, we did small little gatherings. Um, we'll survive. We'll be okay. And now we're in the in, in, in I guess the the transition of figuring out if we can open as a restaurant. So we've been able to, fortunately, for two years, been. Quite successful at just doing weddings and baby showers and, and events. Right. And understand that business and really be able to, to, to I, I guess, just get systems in place to be able to have a successful event business. Now we can explore. Now we can do different things. Like I talk about doing all kinds of things here. My wife, in in other restaurants, it's harder. Because you you have to be able to meet a certain number. You have to serve a certain clientele. Yes. You have to... And then once you have a certain menu, you can change things. But there is, there's not, a, depending on the genre of restaurant, there's not a lot of crazy ideas that you can implement as regular menu items. You can have specials to kind of, you know, fanciful things. But you have to have certain things right. to, for okay. people to come because people are creatures of habit. Right. Right. So here, we don't have that. Events have become kind of our, our bread and butter. This is what we do and we do it very well, thank goodness, because we care. Now we can explore having dinners and having different things. So we're, we're at that moment right now. That's
0: great, that's wonderful. I wanna go back to your early, cause you mentioned you were 13, 14, and the, you got the bug, you got the bug, and you, you came here, you started cooking, and you were working. But I found a video of you <laughs> And you were oh, making, this is trouble, some- ladies and gentlemen,
2: please stand by. Uh, you were
0: you were making something <laughs> called, and I don't know, you may have been fifteen, sixteen. You made something called a drinkable dessert. Oh yeah, that was fun. It was it a series of videos? Because I saw that one, and then there was another one where you made a grapefruit guava chill Where you? I think so. That was such a long time ago. It was. I didn't know they had
2: video back in that day. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really fun. Great video.
0: So, where the passion for cooking come from?
2: You know, they said this is probably the number one question I get asked all the time, and it's like, why, why cooking? And it's all my life, I've really asked why cooking, and I don't know. It's I can tell you certain things that I think maybe led me to want to cook, mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the day, I really think that it's. This it sounds bizarre, but I was just born with it, and it's not. I'm not calling it a talent. It's not a god-given gift. It's not it's none of that. I just some people enjoy certain things. You know, like if, if if you enjoy fixing things, for example, you know, maybe you go into 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 mechanics or maybe you go into engineering because your mind tinkers in a certain way. Yeah. It's um I've always taken the example of that one of my former bosses. He said when he's hiring people, he'll do certain things to see if these are the kind of people that wants to hire like Danny Meyer calls them hospitalitarians but they're the kind of people that instinctively will know and want to take care of you
1: like if you drop a napkin they'll exactly. reach down and pick it up oh. it's like if
2: you're if you sneeze who's gonna say god bless you or bless yeah. you or you know if you if you do something if you need help with your bags if you're having a hard time getting in through the door are these the people that will help you and go out of their way to kind of instinctually, Cause because it's hardwired, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's some people are very good at it, you know. And it, it's like, um, you know, you have IQ and EQ. IQ, intellectual, and EQ is emotional. Uh-huh. So, how is your EQ meter? Like, is your emotional quotient quotient? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm from Venezuela. This is <laughs> this whole English thing. Sometimes gets in the way. <laughs> Shh. But is how is it? Like, are you are you able to tell whether your your people need help? And I it goes back to that. Like I, I still remember as a child, my my mom's friends would come over and instinctually you're like, you know what, this you guys want a snack? Do you want you know, I got some candy. You know, you have those kids that be like, Oh, you want to share? I have candy. Yeah. I was kind of that kid. So the the sharing part, the sharing aspect of of, of me was that. And it, it takes a while. You know, like when you're finding a career, when you're finding a sport that you like, yeah. you have to try different things and it really was uh, later in, 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 I guess, getting into high school, that I, I really started to explore what it was to, to cook. But, Jeff, going back to even, it was just Mother's Day, and I remember as a kid, it was Mother's Day, and I instinctually knew, I was like, let's cook mom breakfast. Yeah. And it's that. And if you can take that idea, and you, you enjoy doing it, and you like to do it, and that's the way you, you communicate and you share, and you know the, the way you're able to, to give love, that's that was and I think for the most part, and different people I think do it differently but for me that was that was the first like well, what's going on over here yeah. And then it was in high school and high school was was I went to Long Island City High School a story of Long Island City um, and in deciding where to go to school, I remember the school had a culinary program It was a it was in, in its infancy and the Board of Education actually said, you know what we're gonna try this program, basically home ec. You know, it's, I, don't, I didn't know of any other high schools that had home ec. It sounded interesting to me. It was also a brand new high school that was opening up. Um, I was in Sunnyside at the time, so I could go there. And I said, you know what? I, I think that sounds fun. Let's, let's try to get in there. So I went to the high school, and at the time, the they were cooking just, and I remember it was Mr. Garvey. It was Mr. Garvey that was in charge of the culinary classes and he was making chocolate chip cookies. The class basically was, let's make cookies. And this is a, you know, twice a week type class, lots of students, but all they were doing was making cookies. However, cookies became currency. Yeah. Cookies mm. became everything in that school, and I still remember if, I mean, if my mind serves me right, it in Long Island City, the culinary classes are on the sixth floor. That's where everything happens. That, that, hallway that that whole floor was perfumed with the smell of chocolate chip cookies every day every day that was a magical floor and like i said cookies became currency you needed homework done cookies you liked the girl you gave her cookies you were late to class you better have some cookies for that teacher (laughs) and cookies became that and you started noticing a little bit not necessarily free cookies but it's the power of food and like how it really moves and shakes things without you even knowing. At that time, I was trying to beg my way into the into more mm-hmm. culinary classes, and there was a there was a paradigm shift in all of uh, culinary, and a new teacher came in, and it came in with a program called CCap. Mm. CCap stands for Culinaries Through uh, Careers Through Culinary Arts Program. Now this program was a program that was started by. Uh, by a gentleman named Richard Groussman and Joyce Appleman, And they came together to kind of teach kids cooking. So at the time, Richard Groussman was a teacher for Le Cordon Bleu. And he knew all the French classics. And he had just written a book called French Classics at Home where that had, you know, Coco van and crepes and soufflés. I'm a kid from Queens, you know? Like, I don't know what this stuff is, but it sounds super cool. Yeah, you know, it sounds like... Super dope. What is a souffle? You need to like fluff it. What is this stuff? <laughs> and I, I, I finally was able to get into the class right at the same time as they were coming in. I remember holding my first copy of French classics at home, and you know, they, this was imagine the same thing as like Julia Child and Jacques Pepin, and like these were amazing books that now we we held. So we went from cooking chocolate chip cookies. So like I said to Van and I'm like what is what is this? and they gave us knives, and like wow. we're kids in high school, <laughs> you know like they gave us <laughs> knives, and we get to play with fire. oh, but your first knife <laughs> right but cooking as much as this this creative process, it's also a very tactile like experience. Mm. you get to smell, you get to taste it's yeah. a very romantic and and beautiful art you know there the, I could relate it to many things, but it's like the the How a potter feels like the coldness and the slipperiness of like clay like you get to smell these things and there's a certain life from food that as you're processing it you you're so thankful for the experience to be able to do this because it the smells are overwhelming the 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 feels that it's it's beautiful and at the end it's delicious But there's so much like you're involved in your senses. And again, because it's such a tactile experience. It's
1: a dance. It's a give and take.
2: It's beautiful. It's I mean, it's it's kind of like gardening and pottery and and you know and farming and everything kind of bowling right and (laughs) fire and there's like in cutting and there's blood and there's life and there's death and there it's it's such a representation of life in, in, in this. And then at the end, you get to eat it and it's it sustains life, you know. It, it's we can do many things in life, but if you stop eating, you die. Right. So it's we're we're so lucky to be gifted this complex experience that is cooking. And then I I was hooked at that point. I I was hooked. Yeah. I love it.
1: I mean, it's amazing. That's it's Passion. it's a hard question, and sometimes I think people feel like they need to have that that answer to it but this yeah. is not the first person we've interviewed who has said i don't know the yeah. also was like i don't really know it's just in me
0: and that's the best answer because Incredible. if it's in you yeah it has to come out and you express it in others so many people no share and get to experience what comes out of it
2: yeah it's a, in i i like to say so we we grew up in venezuela for until i was 15 and we grew up in venezuela and then we came to the States, and it was my mom, my brother, um, and we, we, we grew up in, the, in a family that really took care of each other. And you know, you go now to, to any, there's many different uh, cultures, but I'm, I'm from Venezuela. I know that if you go to somebody it's, um, to somebody's home, and they're from Venezuela, the first thing they'll say is, Jeff, did you eat? You want to eat something? Let me, go, uh. let me give you something to eat. It's like, are you thirsty? It's like, oh, my God, I just made this punch or whatever it is. Yeah. It's like, you should have some. Oh, have a seat. And that hospitality that comes, like, inherent, you don't, it's, I went to school for culinary arts and I went to school for hospitality and they try to teach you that. But if you're born with it, right. where, you know, a grandmother is like, oh, my God, you haven't eaten, you look at your skin and bones, let me exactly. feed you, that 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 sharing experience is so beautiful. But I, I, I always like to say it's, I think it's because I had, such a great family that you want to be able to share. And, and if you can cook, you can definitely share. Yes, I
1: yes. mean, it's, it's such an interesting point that you make because food is absolutely central to culture, mm-hmm. central to family, mm-hmm. central to staying alive. Mm-hmm. How do you translate that into a business? And that's another interesting thing. And I think that's what I'm excited about for you guys here for the future is how you're translating all of that into what your business is going to look like.
2: Absolutely. It's, we... It's, taken, it's still taking us some time, and we go back and forth a ton, but I, I, I still remember, and the question was basically, like, how do you translate that passion into a business? To, to kind of go back on, when I met CCAP, Careers of Culinary Arts Program, Like the the beautiful thing about that program, besides giving you a book about culinary arts and, and old um, French cuisine, is that it's really like a mentoring program. And they got me into a kitchen called La Caravelle. I was in a... A kid who necessarily enjoyed school, but I'm pretty certain at this point, being a little bit older, I just don't like to sit down for a very long time. Right, it's you need to constantly be doing things mm-hmm. to kind of stay entertained. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to call it ADD now, but
1: well, they also kinetic learner. That's the better way to put it.
2: I, I I love that. I love that. I wish I wish my mom was here. I'd be like, Mom, I am a kinetic, <laughs> I <was> a kinetic <laughs> learner. Okay. <laughs> But it's, it's very true, and I, 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 it was very difficult for me to sit down in a class and pay attention, and especially, you know, as an adult, we can say this. If you don't like something, you don't care. Right. Like, bottom right. line, as right. much as you don't, I can try to force-feed you whatever I want, and God bless, my mom's a paraprofessional now. My aunt's a teacher, my other aunt's a teacher. God bless them, because it takes a certain amount of patience to be able to teach someone that, something that they don't want to learn. Right. And But once I got into, like, culinary arts, the, this program got me into La Caravelle it was an old French restaurant and you saw this in action, but then you started to learn like the brigade system. You started to learn like the brigade the brigade, the way that things work, the functions, the you know, the the mechanics of what it really takes to operate a, a restaurant or a food business, which tend to be very, very different than what you need or what initially got you in that door in the first place. Like, this is a business, right? Things need to show up on time. It could be, you know, an airport uh, luggage receiving center. It doesn't matter. Like, things need to work in a certain way, regardless of how beautiful the strawberries look today, regardless of, like, you know, the parsley's wilted. It doesn't, none of that stuff matters. Like, you need to be able to mechanically, and there's, there's that beauty of creating a team, because most kitchens and restaurants are not single people. There are no islands. It's a team of people that you, 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 you train, you cultivate, you, you, you grow together and you learn together until you have the right systems in place and the right people with personalities and you know, things that they enjoy doing they don't enjoy, things that they're good at that they're not good at, You know, young, old, you know, fast, slow, but cautious. Like you need to be able to compile that team to really succeed in, in having a restaurant business. So operating as a is even though you might love cooking and they say, oh, my God, Laura, your muffins are delicious. You should open a restaurant. Right. Do that not. That
1: happens so many times, <laughs> so many times.
2: Yeah. But that's I think that's the problem. It's a, it's not about there's passion and passion would lead you to somewhere. And that's Correct. fantastic. But the people that actually succeed in the restaurant business are not necessarily the passionate people. They are the people that show up every single day and open at the same time and keep things consistent, and they follow the rules, and they, they do things kind of by the book.
1: Yeah. I had to learn the hard way as a chef that people didn't necessarily like what I personally liked. I couldn't make a menu based on what I liked. <laughs> I had to make yeah. the menu based on what the clientele yeah. liked and, uh, and who was going to come, yeah. and that that was tough for me for a Absolutely. while. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, so that's also, I don't... My... <laughs> I'm interested in... Who comes to do events here, and how they find you, and what kind of menu you do for them, and how you how you work with that?
2: Sure. So so we're we're all events, like I said, but our events are mostly, I would probably say maybe fifty percent weddings, uh, and then the other fifty percent is really split between birthdays, baby showers, bridal showers, celebrations of life. No, oh, it's it's really a mix. Our weddings are great. You know, everything's for the most part, everything is great. And we're very fortunate that we get to be in a business where people are trying to celebrate life. You know, I don't I don't mean to be tacky or cheesy in any way, but I I wish our tagline was celebrate life. And how lucky, how fortunate are we that we get to be in the center of people getting married, of people welcoming babies into the world, of, you know, Grandfathers and grandmothers that were crucial and beautiful and amazing and created these beautiful families, and now they have passed on, and they are all coming together to celebrate their life. Like, how fortunate are we to be little flies on the wall to be able to witness this? this, These people coming together to celebrate life. We, when we first started, there were a couple of weddings and events really that were uh, that were booked. We had no idea what we were expecting. You know, we we came from restaurants that had some events. We had never really run a just event business, um, but when we came on board, there were a couple of people, and it was it was so weird. It was so weird because we were coming out of COVID, right? COVID completely canceled gatherings. Right. Like, good. You're not allowed to gather. Like, how how crazy now in retrospect to say that? Stay away from each other. Don't gather. Don't share. Don't shake hands. Don't. I mean, it's, it's literally the opposite of what we preach. That's what a preach <laughs> right, exactly. We preach, exactly. please kiss babies, shake hands, right. love each other, right. sh- you know, this is- Come together. Exactly, right. to celebrate life. And now we had been through this process where you couldn't do that, and people couldn't get married, and people, you, you were, your, your life was so much stripped from you because you couldn't celebrate those joyous moments. And you could still kind of do it, but you couldn't celebrate them with the people that you love. Sharing became a no-no with food, with hands, with gatherings, with everything. You couldn't really share. And it's so it's the opposite. It's a, the antithesis of what the restaurant business is about. Right. So when we stepped in, there were already a couple of weddings that were kind of, they were from the, that were canceled basically. And when they were trying to reschedule. Maybe we can, maybe we can't. What do we do? So trepidatiously, we, we started, you know, we took it over at the end of 2020. We had bought the business, still kind of COVID. And we opened in in the, the spring, I guess, still, yeah, about the spring of 2021. Mm-hmm. So there were still small little ripples and, and effects that were coming from COVID. and But we were praying. We were honestly just praying for the best. And we said, hopefully, you know, it's, we pray that... This, this tsunami has blown over us, and we are better humans for that, and we will try to move forward as we do as human beings. And we we started talking with a couple of people that wanted to have small gatherings. We were also very fortunate to have this beautiful garden that we have here. Right. So we can take people outside, and outside people felt a little safer. But the the beautiful aspect that we saw is that we didn't have that many baby showers. We had first birthdays because people couldn't celebrate their baby showers. They said, my baby was born during COVID. Like how how awesome is that, that you don't know what's, what's happening, but you still have to welcome a baby. And that, but nobody's seen my baby because I don't want anybody in my house. Right. You guys have, you know, you have a beautiful garden right. in the back. I'd like to invite a couple of people and get together. We're, they were also, I guess that they, they felt safer because as a business, we, we were very serious about making sure things were sanitized, things were sprayed down, things, we, we took it very, very seriously. And they didn't have to worry about that. They didn't have to take care of, of you know, the, the dangerous part of things. Yeah. But we also had a, a ton of people who said, you know what, we've been trying to get married. We, and as any bride or groom, mostly brides tend to tell you, like that waiting period, is crazy you just want to get married you want to get married and you want to get married and you and when somebody tells you no you can't do this right now plus we had a couple of people that got married in the courts or canceled their weddings because of covid right. and it's been you know a year year and a half and they're like we we just want to do this we want to or you had the, the group of people who are like f COVID. we're going to celebrate we're going to continue carrying on our lives and we're going to you know we're, we're going to live. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to stop us. We're going to live. We're going to do it cautiously, but we're going to live. And that was that was our, our first really experience in starting events here. And after that, it's been beautiful. It's really been great. The people that were here uh, that got married with us initially – continued to tell their friends and family. We're also very lucky that the the previous owners had good relationships in the community. Okay. So people know that the space has been here. So as much as we like to toot our horn and say that we really care and we do a great job, the also the place is beautiful. And people come here, they fall in love with the space. So right. we, we had a little bit of a, of a trickle of people coming by. And then from there, as I think any business owner, restaurant owner can tell you, if you do a good job, at the beginning, people will tell other people. There is nothing more powerful yeah. than word of mouth. Exactly. All the advertising in the world, exactly. word of mouth, especially in the restaurant business or the event business 100%. is the best thing that you can do. Yeah. To the point, we, we didn't really advertise. So for the first year, really, I mean, we took it easy. We, we not easy, but we were cautious yeah. about how many people we gathered, how we, how we went about it, um, doing really just one event at a time. And we, we did it cautiously because we lost our shirt in the city because of COVID. We were very careful right. to say we don't know what's happening. And then at the end of twenty twenty one, Omicron happened. So when Omicron happened, everything canceled again. When when you've been through COVID and then you see that there's another kind of you freak out yeah. in the restaurant business. Yeah. Like there were so many things that happened to us that just comes out of your pocket. And I feel so bad for well for us and for any restaurateur that, that doesn't have the deep pockets to really sustain themselves through an experience like that. It's 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 especially because in Queens, that everybody is a not everybody, but a good percentage is a mom and pop. You know, you don't have thousands of dollars to, to sustain this. Correct. And that was part of the reason why when I was talking to Rachel from from Eigner's, she said, you know what, what um what kind of meeting or what kind of idea do you think we could do for the the queen's chamber of commerce to bring people together what is some questions that people have and i was like the number one thing i think people can benefit from is really talking to regulatory agencies these people directly i know a huge percentage of people that own restaurants and can hardly speak english they get their news from their kids they're like what is happening can you translate for me like it doesn't make it the restaurant less good it doesn't they're just they're hardworking people that plugged everything that they had into opening a restaurant, and it's very difficult and intimidating. Speaking with the health department, speaking with the building department, speak, like I speak English badly, but I speak English, and I have a hard time communicating mm-hmm. with the regulatory agencies.
1: It's not immediately obvious where to even start right. when you have to, you know, yeah. navigate all of those agencies. Being Absolutely. able to see them face to face, I've never seen anything like
2: that. It's co- it's so confusing, and people <laughs> were asking me, they're like. The health department is coming to your place. It's like, yeah. It was like, why? It's like I invited them. It's like you, what? Why? <laughs> and it was mind blowing. But it's right. very, very true. The regulatory agencies, the building department, the, the you know, the Department of Health, all these things are very difficult sometimes, not not to deal with, but to understand. Yeah. And when you start reading things online, it's very difficult because these are pamphlets upon pamphlets that they're trying to communicate. Correct. But as a as a business owner there's so many things that you're trying to understand that you're not trained to understand and it's difficult for you to really see thank god that the queen's chamber of commerce is there to be able to support small businesses that don't understand in different languages because it's very overwhelming and that's and that's what we do so as you you've been in the event
0: space so as you look to the future and you're going to pivot back into restaurant what do you hope what what's your
2: expectation for that so i I love restaurants I've always loved restaurants. I love the dynamics of it. I love the way it is. but I see restaurants really as it's kind of like a microcosm of life you know and it's I had I had a difficult upbringing and I had I had a difficult childhood when when I realized that a restaurant was kind of a an environment that can be kind of controlled in certain ways to create this beautiful, almost utopia in some ways where food was always in the air and it smelled delicious and people were coming together to celebrate something and they were dressing up a little nice. I, I really enjoyed that. If Once you understand the mechanics of a restaurant, and I think we, we all here love going to a restaurant and love eating good food and listening to good music yeah. and the lighting is just right. Yeah. Once you get all that, all those formulas in place, and lighting tends to be one thing that, like lighting and music, maybe yeah. that you don't pay a ton of attention to, right. but it does make you feel a certain way. It does. The same thing with the music in the background. The same way yeah, that yeah. the linens underneath your fingers like feel a certain way and make you feel a certain type of way. Yeah. Like it, it's, I've always loved that. But to go back to your question of like, how do I envision this, the, the transition of going into the restaurant world? So I, I think restaurants also have this beautiful ability to create life within their neighborhoods, right? And it's, it's something that, and I always think of this, like whether you know it or not, like the people that work at your restaurants and operate restaurants, and for the most part, like any business that's owned by a mom and pop on your neighborhood, they're keeping a, like an eye on your kids. Yeah. Like, they, they're looking at your kids, and they know what's going on. Yeah. They know if, like, there's a strange seedy character in the corner. Like, we're part of the Forest Hills parents on, like, Facebook and Forest Hills Facebook and all these. Like, it's a community. And right. the, the community of people that you have within is really what enriches your life. Mm-hmm. Like, the people that you shake hands with. Again, Chamber of Commerce. True. I'm sure everybody has kids that go to, this like, different schools. Right. Like, you go to certain churches. I buy chocolate from Eigners. I go have pizza and D's. You know, I have... Like, I buy flowers from Lilies of the Valley, which is also, like, a husband and wife team, and I know their family. Like, we buy cakes from La Dolce down the block, also husband and wife. You know, like, we these are the people that create your community. Correct. And if your kids are going to be going here, and if you're trying to raise people correct, not only kids, but you're trying to raise the level of humanity, I think restaurants have a great ability to be able to do that. So we're excited to be able to open and welcome people here and enrich enrich the neighborhood as well as like learn as much as we can from from the people here.
0: And we're looking forward to that. Wow, this has been
1: I know. Incredible. That that just hit me in my Sesame Street place. are the people in your neighborhood it's wonderful
2: and it's great and like my wife is pregnant now so i think about it and it's yes what kind of what kind of yeah, world do you, you want to, to create for right. them exactly right.
1: so great oh my gosh yvonne i am so grateful to you it's talking to us about Thank everything you for the especially the philosophical parts wonderful. i'm grateful
0: wonderful so tell our l- our listeners where they can find this location in case they have an event that's coming up that they want to celebrate
2: so, it's We Are My Kitchen uh, events and catering. We're located right on Metropolitan Avenue um, between Fox Funeral Home and Cinemark movie theaters for people that need references. <laughs> yes, we're, we're also lucky that these places have been here right. forever. Right. So, we're fortunate to come to the neighborhood. Um, if, you're having, if you're thinking of getting married or you're lucky enough to be welcoming a child to this world, we are here for you. We're happy to be part of the neighborhood, and we want to help you celebrate those special moments. Love that. And where are you on
0: on social media?
2: Uh, My Kitchen Forest Hills. So on on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, My Kitchen Forest Hills, you can reach us um, by email or phone number at info at mykitchenforesthills.com, www.mykitchenforesthills.com. Love it.
0: Wow, it's been great. Lauda, Your thoughts
1: i just like to remind everyone to stay adventurous and support your local eateries
0: amen peace and love until you hear our voices and this music again continue listening to our previous episodes follow queen's chamber on all their social media platforms facebook instagram twitter and youtube we're there because yes. there's some youtube as right. well so this has been great. Again, Yvonne, thank you so much. We're thrilled that you were with us and we're out. Thanks. Chaka chaka.